Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Hip Senior Podcast. This is your host, Marianne Bailey. Join us as we talk to seniors about their lives, hobbies, great stories, and their hopes and dreams. Let's get started. Let's talk. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Marianne Bailey with the Hip Senior Podcast, where we interview interesting businesses and senior citizens that want to tell us what's going on in their lives and in their businesses. And today we're having a conversation with Ron Rollins, who spent 33 years in the newspaper and the news industry. Uh, when he left the Dayton Daily News last year, he was the community impact editor. Ron, thank you for joining us today. Hey there, how are you doing? I'm glad to glad to be on. Thanks. I'm glad to have you. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm glad to find that I'm still interesting. After you retire, you wonder, right? <laughs> you know, I think I think when you retire, you just kind of uh, regain who who you were before you started your career, and and you find passions and stuff going on in your life that that maybe you wanted to be when you were five years old. So. Well, that's funny. That's funny because I have a, a former uh, boss, uh, Steve Sidlow, a good friend now, who was the uh, assistant managing editor at the Daily News when I got hired there in '86, and um, he retired ooh, ten years ago. And he's always said, "Ron, you'll find that retirement is basically a long, paid second childhood." <laughs> and I'm like, I like that. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not sure it's, I'm not sure it's how it feels yet, but it, I kind of get, well, that's what I'm shooting for. So that's good. Yeah. You're, you're, we were talking the other day about this, that you're still pretty new into your retirement and you had the advantage of retiring during, um, you know, a pandemic. So let, let's hear a little bit about, um, first let's yeah. backtrack and let's, I, I want you to tell people, um, what your career was about and what led to, uh, your retirement. Okay. Well, um, uh, as you said, I had 33 years with the, the Dayton Daily News and Cox Enterprises. Um, spent most of my career in Dayton. Uh, my wife works there as well, and she um, is uh, also retiring in a couple, uh, about a month and a half. So that'll be fun to see how it is to have um, both of us at home all day. Uh, and um, she's a little younger than me, but uh, it's it's it, now it's time. And um, it's 33 years in Dayton. Uh, it was my third job. I worked in Texas for a little while, up in North Texas for a couple of years when I was in my 20s and also um, worked at the uh, Lorraine Journal up near Cleveland. It was my first job uh, after I got out of Miami of Ohio, uh, which is where I met uh, my lovely wife, Amy, um, at the student newspaper. We've worked at three newspapers together uh, over our long career. And so um, um, did a bunch of different jobs there. The thing about Dayton and the Dayton Daily News is that the paper was um, large enough to matter and large enough to do really interesting and, and good uh, work, and um, but small enough, just as Dayton is small enough to also afford you some flexibility and some some opportunities to to do different things with your career. Uh, you know, nobody would. It wasn't like you're you're always stuck doing sports or always stuck on the copy desk if you didn't want to if, do something else. You know, so I mean, I. I started off as uh, one of the local news editors working at night um, before one to 10 
and Three to Midnight for a lot of years, rewriting crime stories and weather stories and doing the late late, late night local news editing. And then um, uh, got a chance to move to um, day shift and, and uh, manage some of the um, the topic reporters who like education, worked with Dale Huffman for a number of years. I know you're, a lot of your listeners probably uh, in the Dayton area know, remember Dale Huffman. I was his editor for a long time and we became good friends. Um, then I became the uh, entertainment editor uh, around 1996 or so and um, ran a, what back at that time was a very robust um, arts and entertainment coverage in, in Dayton, uh, covering all the fine arts organizations, the symphony, the opera, the art museum, um, and also um, the concerts that came to the phrase and Jillies and stuff like that. Um, and and Canal, Street, Canal Street Tavern, a place that people may remember. Um, so we had a, a, a lot of fun doing that. I became in charge of the other larger feature sections and then later on became one of the managing editors. I was in charge of uh, sports, the photo desk. Spent about 10 years, um, it's been about five years in charge of our papers down in uh, Butler and Warren counties. We, um, uh, back, uh, we, there was the uh, Hamilton Journal News, the Middletown Journal, a uh, number of weeklies throughout that area. Then came back to uh, spend the last 10, 12 years uh, back in the Dayton newsroom, um, managing the um, uh, opinion pages, the editorial pages, uh, and then um, also working with the investigation team, the investigative team, the last part of my career. Um, had the good chance to um, edit three or four uh, local history books while I was there. Uh, we had, um, uh, we, we put a number of books uh, uh, around Dayton's um, sesquicenten or bicentennial uh, back in 1996. I edited uh, and produced a couple of books back then. So that was a lot of fun. I never thought I'd have a chance to book at it um and the daily news gave me that chance um and then also um uh had the chance to uh when we were uh in the same newsroom with whio radio and tv for about 10 years uh which is how you and i met um uh i had a chance to do the uh, morning sunday morning public affairs radio show uh, miami miami valley, miami valley voices on uh whio radio do you remember um, the day we met before that um, I, I remember you in the studio. I don't remember meeting before that. No, yeah, you, I remember, I remember when I remember our taping session. Yeah. No, I, you were, um, hosting one of the, uh, PK events. Oh, that's right. And I yeah, ran up to I you afterwards and I'm like, Hey, I want to talk to you. I want to tell you what I'm doing with seniors. And you were I, like, yeah, sure. I, I do remember that now. Yeah. Um, one of the fun parts about being in Dayton, um, was that uh, the, the Daily News has always strongly encouraged its staff and its editors, um, and um, especially the part, those of us who had a, a mugshot that ran in the paper, where we were considered part of the personality of the paper, you know, um, to get out in the community and do a lot of community work um, and, and uh, belong to community boards or host an MC or MC local events. Uh, you mentioned the PK event, the the Pachacacha events that are really fun um, events like where people do. That, not me. Yeah, Pachacacha. Um, uh, those are really cool. If if people have never heard of them, um, look them up online. They're they're basically uh, random talks uh, where people get 20 seconds to talk oh, about 20 slides that run in very quick succession. That so like it's a six and a half by 20 or something. There's it's all yeah, 20 by 20, right? It's a, it's a six and a half minutes 
six minutes and 40 seconds of presentation on random topics. And the PK Dayton is one of the older ones. And before the pandemic hit, they were doing uh, like a quarterly uh, local uh, free meeting downtown on, in the evenings. Um, just random topics, very cool, a lot of fun, very entertaining. And I know the organizers, and so they asked me to emcee a couple of those. But I got to emcee, you know, local charity galas and and auctions and fundraisers. I was on the Dayton History uh, Board at Carillon Park for like 20 years. I was on the, um, which is too long, by the way. Um, I was on the board at, uh, I'm still on the board at House of Bread the community kitchen downtown that serves uh, free meals to yeah. free meals to needy and homeless people um, uh, 365 days a year. And we, uh, they do a lot of really good work. Oh, it's a wonderful place. We, um, I ran the, um, helped run the, uh, the campaign to raise money for and build our family dining room there and, and expand the building. That was fun. Yeah, that was really um, good. Yeah, I was one of the co-founders of Film Dayton. I was on the board of the Antech Writers Workshop been on a lot of advisory committees like for think tv and stuff like that over the years so I, I really, you don't know um there are a few people in dayton i don't know so, uh, facebook reminds me of that daily when i get on there and and it's people you may know and i'm like i 53 other people i know know this person and i don't you know so oh well um uh, and i that's not a facebook knock i'm not a facebook hater i, I like facebook it's basically become a, like my rolodex right um, I, um, I know a lot of people in town because Dayton is one of those towns that is very accommodating to how it's very well networked and people share their networks and they share their information and they share and they advocate for one another very nicely. Um, I've always loved doing business here. I think it's a very easy town to do business in. Um, it is uh, a place that um, draws a circle around uh, the haters and puts them off to the side and like, we're not dealing with you. If you got something positive to contribute, if you got a good idea, we're going to let you try it and, 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 and we'll support you too. Um, which I like, I mean, I think uh, it's a very easily, it's an easy town to get around in. Um, and I do know a lot of people, so it's fun. Um, I used to joke that my uh, cell phone was the, um, the best Rolodex, uh, the biggest uh, Rolodex in the in the uh, DDN newsroom, um, surpassed by a couple of people. Amelia Robinson's was always a little bit better than mine, but um, you know, you never never throw a phone number away or never throw an email address away, and after a while, you have like forty thousand of them, so, and you can reach everybody. So, you know, that's one thing that this job now with doing the podcast and doing the magazine and stuff like that has taught me is is mm -hmm. really the value of um, grabbing hold of those pieces of information, such as phone numbers and right. emails and stuff, and keeping hold of them, mm -hmm. just in case you know down the road you, you you need that person or or you just want to find out what's going on with them, and you you never know. Because oh, people, absolutely, yeah. People change careers. People decide that what they were doing wasn't fulfilling their heart and their soul, and they move on to other right. things. And it's fun to catch up with people and and figure out what they're doing now and how that you can help serve them um, throughout time as well. Totally. So, well, that's we mentioned. We mentioned Facebook. That's what Facebook's yeah. good for. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, you you run into somebody that you haven't seen in a month and a half, and you're like, hey, how was Florida? Because you know they went on vacation because you saw the pictures, right? And you, it it's it it keeps it. There's people from high school that I never, ever would have been in contact with again that I see on Facebook. You know, they're having grandkids or they're. You know, I mean, they're doing a new business or they have a, they've become artists or something. It's like, 
that's really cool. I mean, Facebook has its problems. Don't get me wrong. You could have a whole, whole separate podcast on the evil on the evils of social media, right? But um, you know, if you you can train Facebook too to give it what you want. If you want it to be something that mostly reminds you of goings on in your community and what friend, people you actually like are doing, you can you can teach Facebook to eliminate the news and the the the, the haters and the politics if you want to. You have to spend a little time doing it. But Facebook wants to give you what you want. I wish more people would train well, it right. to, uh, like the politics stuff. Totally. Facebook wants to give you whatever you want. So if you want to look at cat videos all day long, spend two days looking at cat videos on Facebook, and that's all Facebook will give you. You can make it, you can train it pretty easily, yeah. Or better, on cat videos. YouTube and watch cat videos. Because <laughs> <laughs> Facebook knows you're doing that, too. Yeah, exactly. You, start, you, you started to ask a question. I'm sorry, I, I interrupted long forgotten about what that is now so <laughs> okay okay so you went from being really involved in everything so i mean i i've even seen you on on the tedx uh dayton stage uh emceeing that and uh i remember texting you going dude i'm in the audience <laughs> and i was chatting with you about that right so um you know, from so everybody's seeing you out and about and doing stuff. Then we had a pandemic and nobody's out and about seeing stuff. But some people are being right. more active, like from home or in their yards and stuff. What have you been doing right. during the pandemic? Well, that's a good question. Uh, the answer, I'm at the risk of being a disappointment uh, to your audience, is not too much. I mean, since it is the pandemic, I mean, you know, Amy and I have been mostly laying low. She's been working from home. Uh, we've had our, we had our, um, well, I shouldn't say that, um, not much. And then a lot at the same time. Um, my mom passed away shortly after I, uh, retired. And so I'm the executor for her. Oh, thank you for her estate. Um, never been an executor before. It's the kind of thing that in your sixties, you suddenly do for the first time, right. Um, yeah. where you, you're, you're managing, you know, uh, disbursement of money to siblings and dealing with new lawyers and probate courts and stuff. So, I mean, there's, that takes time. That's hardly a hobby, but you know, that's, that's, that's well, been something. Um, yeah. It is time consuming. It's also educational. Um, uh, I'm happy to advise anybody that ever um, finds themselves in that position on the things I learned, um, get a lawyer um a good one that you like because you're uh, first um and um so there's that um and there's been a lot of time spent um helping uh dismantle my mom's um home and and parse furniture and and you know uh things out to family members around the country who wanted them so um that's taken some time and, and even a little bit of pandemic travel um i for a while i thought it was a commercial u-haul driver uh, <laughs> driving around dropping off oh you wanted the dresser right um so there was that uh we had our grandkids and our, our my daughter and her husband and our grand dog uh stay with us um for about three and a half months in um the fall because they're getting their house renovated in chicago and they literally needed a place to stay uh that wouldn't cost them anything because they're trying to spend money on the house you know right. um and so that was weird i mean our house isn't small but it's also not gigantic we live in a kettering tri-level and ha suddenly having <laughs> five extra people all of whom were working and the kids were doing school remotely you know um 
we had a potty oh, training toddler in there and a and a third dog. It's like well, that was crazy. So, uh, you know, I mean, it, it felt like there was plenty going on then. Um, what I what I didn't, I, I am getting a lot more reading done, and I'm getting oh, um, spending. I I do paint, so I'm spending time in my studio more than I used to. Um, what I had expected of retirement was that I would. This is pre-pandemic, right? When I imagined retirement a couple of years ago, if I thought about it at all, and I really didn't, we can talk about that in a minute. Um, <clears throat> I, I kind of thought it'd be like a whole bunch of catch-up lunches and 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 drinks uh, with friends that I hadn't seen in five years, right? Like, oh, Vince, I haven't seen Vince in two years. Uh, let's catch up, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, that hasn't happened because you know nobody's doing that, so. You know, I guess once we all have our vaccines and get your vaccine um, uh, as soon as you can. Um, when, <laughs> I'm in the next cohort. I'm 61. So my cohort is coming up. I can't wait. Um, I'm levels down from that. So they're just like, no, even though I've told them <laughs> I work with seniors, please. And they're like, no, no, no. I'm like, I, I, uh, I hope you get it as soon as you and I hope you're safe till then. Um, I, one, the world is eventually going to come back, right? right. We will. We will event. So, I mean, I'll be interested to find out how close I'm looking forward to that time. Cause I really, when I was thinking about retiring, I was like, oh, that'll be really nice to, if I just want to go to the museum in Cincinnati or something on a Tuesday, I can go. I don't have to do all the things that I normally do on a Saturday and Sunday now, you know, yeah. uh, I can do it any day of the week. Um, I, I do, uh, I did set one rule for myself after I retired, like, I will never again uh cut the grass on a saturday just a no sorry i i can do that on wednesday now and um uh and so uh there are there are there are small freedoms that have come my way but um, yeah we're looking forward to the chance especially once amy's retired and the pandemic has loosened its uh, death grip on us you know um that we can do some day travel and 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 do some travel travel and uh and just generally you know, catch up with people that we haven't seen in a long time because we've all been locked down and go out to dinner again. No, we're just looking forward to it. Um, uh, I had not waiting period waiting for life to, to happen. Hi, this is Marianne with the hip senior. If you haven't heard about anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Have a great day. Yeah. Well, it has been really weird to retire in the middle of all this because, yeah. you know, I will say that I, I did, the Daily News went into lockdown. We shut down the newsroom and sent everybody home from, to work at home in probably about three weeks before DeWine made his, uh, uh, started the, his, his announcements of stuff. Um, we, um, Cox was very uh, forward thinking and very reactive uh, to this, um, very fast. Um, so we were, I, I did work from home pretty much from like March 1st until I retired, June 1st. So I, 
I did experience the whole, you know, working from home, Zoom meetings, Slack, emails, you know, I mean, the whole idea of what the world of work has experienced since the lockdown happened, the way we work now, right? Um, I did experience that for about three and a half, four months before I, I actually retired. I knew I was retiring. So it, that probably gave me a different attitude about it. Like, this sucks, but I'm not going to be doing it much longer. So I could tell myself that and to help deal with it. Um, but I didn't like it. Uh, I did, and, I, and I'm totally, and watching my, um, my wife work from home and um, watching my kids work from home and the kid, the, my, my, my grandkids do school uh, on Zoom. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I, I'm like everybody else. I'm philosophically curious to see how, what comes back and what doesn't. You know, I don't think work as we knew it will ever return entirely to the way it was. Um, Which in a way, you know, I mean, good if you think about it though, Ron. In a way, because I think it's good. that yeah. want to be able to work remotely, um, that maybe before spent or part-time remotely, that they, you know, in the Chicago area, like you mentioned, you know, spending hours in traffic. I mean, I've been in Chicago yeah, right. many, many times and, and spent yep. hours in traffic, and that wasn't even on a work yes. daily basis. Um, or yep. being able to work a couple days at home to be able to spend more time with your children and not be in the hubbub of every day or, you know, different stuff like okay. that. I think, I think it's a perfect opportunity. I have looked for years to trying to find something that I could do from home, um, and not have to, you know, spend the, the money on, um, really expensive clothes and hose and shoes. And, you know, the, the whole right. jumbo of, of working can be an expensive, um, event sometimes, um, and kind of cancels out what people bring in, but while you're working at home, it's a little bit more casual and, um, yeah. things like, uh, doctor's visits. I was reading an article the other day and was that in the Dayton daily news that they said that they thought that, um, doctors yeah, visits it was, yeah. would be staying more, uh, teledoc type stuff as well. And I think that's all good. I would say to the, um, if the world never goes back to the, uh, I mean, for example, Cox is headquartered in Atlanta, right? I, I, this, I was never at a level at our company where this happened to me routinely, but, or ever, but I mean, my bosses would routinely like catch a 6am flight out of Dayton, fly to Atlanta to corporate headquarters for like basically a day meeting and then fly home that night. It's like, what? Are you kidding me? I mean, they didn't like it. You know, they didn't enjoy it. They're basically, you know, a mess the next day, right? They're kind of hung over the next day. Um, they're out of the office. We don't see them so that they can basically spend, you know, six hours in a plane for a, a, a two hour meeting. And it wasn't just them. I mean, think how many people around the country and the world live that way. If that goes, if that never comes back and we can do zoom meetings, that's a good thing for the world. Um, I think, uh, you're right. The, the, that, yeah. Because look at all the hotels that have less people traveling that are in trouble for that. The you know, rental cars, people that make tires and oil changes. It, it affects everybody. So it's just kind of a matter of yeah. businesses um, rethinking um, and being creative of ways to to bring right. income in from different stuff and whatever. But um, it, it really is a double-edged sword when it when it comes to that. Oh, totally. Train of thought. I would say. I would say it's more than a double-edged sword. I'd say it's a spinning ball of knives. I think, I think the ways in which the economy 
and society may or may not recover slash change slash evolve from the pandemic will take us decades to sort out. Um, and I mean, it won't sort out in my lifetime. I mean, it's still going to be the, the ramifications from it are going to be are going to be huge. And, you know, there's nobody alive today who lived through the last time this happened to us. I mean, polio was close, but I'm talking about the the Spanish flu epidemic in 1918, right? I mean, nobody, nobody, nobody's alive who experienced that yet. Who knows? And it's also not a, a thing that's well written about today as a big event. You know, World War One gets written about, the Depression gets written about. It's sort of like a lot of people when 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 the COVID pandemic happened, there was a lot of stories about the Spanish flu epidemic, which killed millions of people. You know, and a lot of people had nowadays hadn't even heard about it. They were, it was like history that they'd forgotten. But there have to be tons of ways in which that, you know, affected life and society and business and culture for years to come that, you know, we, we never, we never, we don't remember. And I think it's going to be something we have to sort through, sort through now. Um, you, you had asked, um, you had asked about, you know, or I mentioned that I hadn't really, I think I said, if, if and when I ever thought about retirement, you know, I, I wondered what it might be like. I really didn't think about retirement. You and I talked about this a little bit the other day. I'm, the best thing that ever happened to Amy and I was, um, and I hate to say this this way, but was when, you know, Cox put the, the company up for sale. Um, people may remember, um, um, people in the Dayton member may, in the Dayton area may recall like the Daily News, WHIO, radio and TV and we're all together in one Cox company and separate properties. And then about 20 years ago, 15 years ago, they all joined together in a combined newsroom setting, which is why I, as a newspaper guy, got to do a radio show. Right. right. Um, and we, we shared all of our resources and our money and, and our stories and, and planned our news meetings together and everything. Um, and then, uh, Cox put all of its media properties for sale. It's a big company. And um, uh, it was the, the whole unit was bought by a, a company in New York called Apollo. But then Cox took back the Dayton Daily News, just the Daily News, which meant that we had to separate from WHIO after we'd worked together for like 12 years, which was hard because we really yeah, enjoyed working together. Yeah. Um, when the company announced that it was selling the, the Daily News and WHIO, my wife and I had a little, you know, panic attack, right? Because we're in our we're in our late fifties, and you know we've been saving money in the four hundred one k, you know, since we were you know little kids. But um, we never had thought about what you do with it, right? I mean, you read your quarterly statements in the mail. It's like, oh, that's nice, and then you put it aside till tax time, and then it's like, okay, well, the idea of actually retiring that I would be retired someday and how I would get there and how I would, what levers you pull was something that I, I'm not kidding. I had never given it any thought. I loved my job. I loved the Dayton Daily News. I loved the people I worked with. Um, I loved being a, a person in the community who was well known because I was a public part of the Dayton Daily News. I really enjoyed that a lot. Um, I got a lot of juice out of it and I got a lot of um, love in the community out of it and some people who hated my guts, but that's also part of the game, right? And um, and I was not thinking of retiring at all. And then, you know, the companies are for sale and we were like scared, like what if something bad happens? 
you know, what if the new owner lays us all off or something or who knows what happens, right? So um, that's when we really went on a serious search to find a financial advisor who could help us with some of the questions about what we would do if a bad thing happened. And he was the one that basically took a look at our finances and said, you'll be fine. In fact, you can retire now if you want to, and which surprised us. Uh, we just, we were pleased and surprised to find out that we'd saved a lot more than we thought we had. And, uh, and the, contrary to our fears that we might end up eating cat food, um, we, um, uh, which is what we had told him, like, well, we've eaten cat food, what will happen to us? Oh my God. He's like, nah, you're fine. In fact, Ron, you can retire now. If you want, Amy, you can go in two years. And then suddenly we were like, oh, well, this is an option, you know? And then it, then it became a, well, why wouldn't we then? Um, uh, for a long time, it was, we were in this kind of weird limbo of, well, I know I can retire, but I'm not ready yet. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of your listeners could totally identify with that, right? When's the right time? Do I want to go? I like working. Well, let's let's be honest. Nobody really likes working. Okay, I mean, <laughs> you may you may you may you may get to where you tell yourself that work is okay enough that you endure it. <laughs> but, but if somebody were to turn around and give you a couple million dollars not to work, you would probably jump all. You over. would probably jump all over it, right? I mean, I, I would put myself in the category of people who, when they when they when you read you know the Hallmark card that says find something you love and do that. And it'll never feel like work. Well, that, that was me. I mean, I me too. have been making. Yeah, exactly. I've been making newspapers. Literally I had my first byline in sixth grade. Right. So, I mean, I literally spent my entire life working for whatever publication was nearby. You know, the junior high school paper, the high school paper, the college paper. You know, I, I freelanced for Ohio Magazine when I was working for the Dayton Daily News because I wanted to do a different kind of writing for those guys. You know, I mean, I've, uh, I, I've always done my job and I loved it. But guess what? Once somebody tells you you don't have to do it anymore, it, that's all good. And, <laughs> yeah, and it, changes, and it changes the way you think about life. It changes the way you think about your career. It changes the way you think about how many years you have left on the earth. The answer is you don't know. Right. And so, yeah, uh, if I can go see my grandkids now without having to schedule PTO through my boss, who may not want to let me have it that week because she needs me for something else, never actually was a problem with my boss, um, but just say, um, yeah. I, don't, I don't have to do that anymore. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, so what's so the, yeah, what's I mean, the story with this gallery of yours? Oh, uh, people think gallery, of this gallery. Is it going to become an after COVID business more? Oh, good question. No, it won't. Um, however, anybody who wants to come visit me and sip bourbon and uh, while we uh, paint is more than happy to, uh, is more than welcome. Um, so I, uh, I Do you allow people to paint in there with you. I have done that a few times with people, not very often. It's usually just me. So here's the to, to fill in a couple of the blanks there. Uh, I do paint. Um, I, I, um, uh, my my mom was a a, a very well known and, and good um, uh, watercolor artist. Uh, she was head of the Ohio Watercolor Society for a number of years. Um, uh, painted, started painting after um, she was an empty nester when all of us kids were off to school, and um, she had painted before, but she put it aside while she's raising the kids. 
So she, in her forties, you know, she started painting and, um, and, and I, I, so I guess I got the gene from her. Um, I, uh, started painting pro probably about, probably about 20 years ago, but I kept it to myself as a private hobby because I was in charge of arts and entertainment coverage. Right. I, I was the guy who decided which artists we wrote about in town. And I, so I really couldn't be in a position to be one of them, you know, um, right. just obvious, obvious discomfort and conflict of interest there. So I just basically, I didn't show my work locally. I didn't share it with anybody. I had a couple of close friends who knew I painted and I tended to paint uh, in a kind of a bizarre gestural abstract style. If you know the abstract expressionists from the fifties, you know, Pollock, de Koenig, um, Hans Hoffman, Joan Mitchell, Helen Frankenthal were those guys. I mean, those are, that's my, that's my cult, right? I mean, that's my group that I love. And, um, and that I consider to be influences, Rothko, uh, Motherwell. And, um, uh, and so I've been doing it for an awful long time in my garage. Um, once uh, I have a dear friend, Terry Welker, who is um, a sculptor in town. He's the, uh, the, the, the guy that did the, um, large um uh mobile sculpture in the main atrium of the downtown public library uh big gigantic huge fractal rain uh is the name of it um and he's a, been a friend for years and he was like uh hey dude uh, you don't you're not in charge of arts coverage anymore you can't use that as an excuse you should start putting this stuff out there and i'm like okay so i did and i got i was a little nervous about it at first because people knew me as, you know, newspaper guy. And then it's like, oh, he paints too. It's like, I, in my head, it was kind of like one of those things where people, <laughs> what, Johnny Depp also plays guitar? You know, no, that's impossible. He's an actor, I mean, <laughs> right? Pe pe people get this idea of you if you're a public person, which I was, public-ish, I guess. I was in Dayton, I was a public. That you're, this is what you do, and that's, that's you can't do anything else right so also too I was, a little, I was shy about it being stuff that people didn't like you know I wanted people to like it um so I started putting it out and and got a couple of shows uh locally and and uh, um I got very good response to it and I was actually very welcomed by Dayton's um thriving uh small but thriving visual arts uh, community uh, which was gratifying um, because I, I knew, I knew a lot of them, but I had, they didn't know I painted. Right. So it was very, it was very nice and, and sweet when people from, you know, the Dayton Visual Arts Center, now the contemporary Dayton and, and the Dayton Society of Artists and stuff were like, wow, this is really good. You, you know, you should enter this stuff. Um, so, uh, Terry and I ended up, um, uh, renting a studio space just to get out of our basements. Uh, and we found a space about 10, about eight years ago behind, um, Town and Country Shopping Center, um, across from the back of, it's right behind, if people are in Dayton or from the Town and Country and Kettering, it's kind of uh, right behind the Tuesday morning store behind them all. Right. And it's a little 800 square foot former storefront um, that we basically use as our, um, our, our man cave studio, workspace, place where we hang out on Sundays um maybe making art maybe drinking uh, bourbon maybe reading books maybe just chit-chatting um and um so it's people think of it as a gallery because if you look at it it looks like one 
but it's really not a business. It's 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 a uh, it's it's where we do our work. Terry has one half uh, for his mobiles, and he has a lot of very large um, cutting metal, cutting metal shaping tools and stuff. I've just got a bunch of paint and some canvas. Um, my stuff's light and easy. Um, if you look in the windows, you'll see what I do. Um, I've got a website, RollinsArt.org, that um, also you can, it's out of date a little bit, but you can see what I do. And honestly, if you follow me on Facebook, um, I post a lot of my work on Facebook, um, so uh, which is actually where I sell. Do people ask you if they can buy? Are, are you? Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I sell, yeah I, sell, um, I, I sell enough stuff each year for it to be uh, a self-supporting hobby. Okay. Um, sure. I, I don't, um, I, when I retire, I, I cover my materials and I cover my studio rent. Um, and, um, and that's, that's good. I mean, I, I sell, I probably sell something once a month. Now that's without being aggressive about it. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I, I have, one of the things I've wondered about is when I retire, what, when I retired, would I, and you asked, would it ever become a business? I don't think so, mostly because that's a lot of work and I don't feel like being a business. Um, I'm not an LLC or anything like that. I mean, this is, it's just me. Right. Um, uh, well, well, once the pandemic lightens up, will I try and get more people into the studio to have a look at stuff to see if I can sell more stuff? Yeah, probably. Because it stacks up, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I tend to paint large. They're like 30 by 40 canvases usually, um, 30 inch by 40 inch. And so, you know, those stack up after a while. And, um, and it's fun to sell paintings. I mean, if, when somebody buys your artwork, man, that's a real kick in the pants. That, that really wakes you up and makes you feel good. I mean, there's, it's like a, a part of yourself that, and I, and I don't, and I don't paint to keep stuff around the studio. I paint to sell it. Um, I, I've even done commissions for people where they know that they have a certain wall space where they and they want certain colors that they like and and they'll come into the studio and look at a particular composition they're like could i we like the movement of this it, the gestures but it, the house black and red maybe and i'm like yeah i can do that that's fine i mean it's fine to, to make something that people want, you know? Yeah. Um, but I'm also not, a, I'm also not a commercial artist and, and I, and I don't think I'll ever um, turn it into like a, an actual um, business that would be something that I would have been able to live on before I retired. And I don't need to either. I mean, that's the well, thing. Some it's, of the best, some of the best art, art out there are people that do it as hobbies because they're not yeah. under that pressure to create, create, create all the time. They do it just because they love right. it. So I totally get it. I, I will. I totally get it. And you're absolutely right. And also I will say in retirement, it's nice to know that even though I'm not in the journalism community anymore, and even though I've left a lot of my, my board commitments, I'm still on the house of bread board. Um, but I, I, I retired from a lot of boards and community communities that I was on when I retired. Cause I was like, you know, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to get out. I mean, I'm, this is other people can do this now. I've done, this for 30 years, I've really given lots and lots and lots of time and money and time to um, these organizations. They can still have my money. Um, but as far as tuning in for an eight o'clock committee meeting, I just don't feel like doing that anymore. Yeah. Uh, other people can do that because they have probably better ideas than I do and I've done it. So um, let them build on the work I did. That's great. It is nice 
however, to have the local arts community still be a place where I can drop in, meet, greet, interact, um, attend a workshop, drop into somebody's studio. A funny thing about artists in Dayton is there's a number of us who share things back and forth like, hey, wh what would you do with this? Or what do you think of this? Or, you know, how's this look to you? What would you? And that's very cool. I like that a lot. I, you know, it's um, that's one thing I have learned about Dayton is is that the um, arts industry um, is pretty cool here, and that's something people just don't think of or didn't think of before. You know, when they think of Dayton, Ohio, they think you know cornfields or whatever, but they didn't think about right. the the cultural stuff of it. And we do have quite a bit of cultural stuff, um, and even growing. It was growing really strongly, then COVID hit. So hopefully, it continues to grow even after we start being able to open up some doors. So Ron, we got about just a couple of minutes left. What? Okay. Um, what are some final thoughts about retirement? What you know? Once we get out of lockdown, what what do you want the first thing to do? Do you want to be able to take a trip? Do you want to go see your grandkids more? Um, do you want to just take a vacation with you and Amy since she's going to be retired? What what's your what's your next yeah. talk to on the door thing? Um, I, 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 I travel of some in some form. We have friends in Europe. Uh, very dear friends who used to live in in Dayton who uh, moved to uh, Portugal about ten or fifteen years ago. And I want to um, come with you. Oh, okay? uh, Port, uh, Port, Portugal's great. Uh, Portugal's yes. a beautiful. If if you if it's never been on your list, put it on your list. It's great. Um, we have um, friends in Florida. You know, we have um, our friends in Michigan. Um, we I, there's the kids are in Chicago. My son's in Columbus. Um, you know, it's, yeah, travel, um, mostly because we're not even to the point yet where you can even sort of plan that stuff yet, right. you know, and, and, and so I, I'm saying that in the hopes that, yeah, it'll come back and we'll get to do it, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it in the abstract at this point, you know, it's like, and I almost don't know where we would start because uh, I imagine a lot of day tripping. Uh, I really miss running over to the Columbus Museum of Art. I, I miss running up to the Cleveland Museum of Art. I miss running down to the Cincinnati Contemporary Arts Center, you know, stuff like that, that right. would be weekend trips that I would take. And and that's probably what will start first. And then, yeah, Amy and I, Amy and I have, have, have plans to, to, uh, to, to hit, hit, hit the airport and, and get out of town. Um, but again, what that looks like and when we can start, don't know. Um, she's 59, so she's not due for her vaccine for a while. Um, I'm in the next cohort of 60 and up. So whenever that happens in the next few weeks, I'll be able to have my shot long before her. And, and so that'll also affect the way we we phase this in. But yeah, short answer, travel. Yeah. Nice, nice. I think, yeah. All right. So if somebody wants to see your art more, then they should just follow you or friend you on Facebook. Which do you prefer? Um Either one, whatever they like. I, I've got a lot of Facebook friends. And a lot of them are people that I know personally and well. A lot of people are just folks that follow me because they they know about me. And um, and and uh, so either one is good. Um, uh, I do have a Rollins Art Facebook page that I'm not on very much. I usually tend to post my stuff on my own personal page. And then uh, there's RollinsArt.org is my website. Um, that's got my contact on there, and they can email me if they. When I have a studio visit, or actually, if you know what our studio slogan is, if we're here when you're here, we're open. Um, so you know, if you if you wander by some evening and the lights are on at uh, 
4096 East Town and Country Boulevard, um, wrap on the glass and uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, if we're not too drunk to open the door for you, we'll uh, let you in. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I've driven by a few times. The lights were off, so I, I did not stop. Yeah. I keep that in mind every time I'm in the area to drive by and see if you're around. So, Ron, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it was definitely sure. learning more about you and finding out what you've been doing since you retired. I'm sure a lot of people um, are, are looking forward to retirement. And then I'm sure some out there are a little leery like you were as like kind of what's next. So um, it's definitely a, a questionable time to, to even think about retiring. But the people that can and will soon be vaccinated and be able to get out there and do some traveling will um, enjoy themselves. So if Absolutely. you know anybody who uh, wants to be interviewed, if you've got a story to tell or you want just want to talk about anything that's going on with your life, uh, reach out to me. It's Marianne Bailey. Uh, my email address is Marianne at thehipsenior.com. And I definitely want to talk to uh, people that are, are retiring and find out what's going on next. So, Ron, thanks again for joining Excellent. us. Um, I appreciate it. You betcha. Time. Thanks for all right, take care. Thanks for uh, thanks for calling me up. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Hip Senior Podcast. If you like our podcast, be sure to like it and follow us and head over to thehipsenior.com to learn more about our other services we offer, including our directory, where we keep seniors safe while shopping online.